Let's pray before we begin. Lord please let us understand your word and put it in our hearts. May it shape our lives to be more like your Son. In Jesus' name we ask, Amen. When I was in college, and this story is old to many of you, when I was in college, I worked at the J.C. Penney Company selling men's clothing. There was a little girl across, 17-year-old girl across the counter or across the store whose name was Jean Lambert. If you understand the message, you'll have to get the story first. <clears throat> Jean was in the ladies' hosiery department. One day, Jean came across the store, and she said, Jack, you're a preacher, aren't you? And I said, yes, I am. I was pastoring a little church way up in the country, a hundred miles away, driving every weekend to the church. And Jean said, our church is without a pastor, but... We're going to call one Wednesday night. We've had a man named Mr. Jones, and that's really what was his name, and a man Smith, and that was really his name. And we're going to vote between Mr. Jones and Mr. Smith Wednesday night, next Wednesday night. But we have no one to preach for us this Sunday. Would you like to be our supply preacher this Sunday? And I said, look, I'm pastoring a country church within the country. and I know, but she said, well, why don't you just let someone else go up there and you preach for our church. It's called the Grange Hall Baptist Church of Marshall, Texas, about ten miles outside the city limit. I said, okay, I will. I went out and preached. And the next Wednesday night, they had their vote. Mr. Mr. Jones got 19 votes, and Mr. Smith got eight votes, 19 and 8 twice. Dr. Sound, you, you taught in the seminary. What is 1927? 27. And, uh, and I got 28 write-in votes. You see, I've been calling all the members during the week. And, uh, <clears throat> but, but the strange thing about it was that not a single man voted for me and only one lady. I got one adult vote. That's all. The rest of them were the kids of the church, teenagers and children. And I'll never forget when they, they came over and told me, Mrs. Lambert brought a bunch of kids and said, you've been called to be our pastor, 28 to 27. With only one adult vote, and that's Mrs. Lambert, Jean's mother. Telephone rang. It was the chairman of the deacon board. He said, this Reverend Hiles? I said, yes. He said, three of us want to see you. I said, when? He said, now. It was almost midnight. By the time I got out there, it was in the wee hours of the morning, and I walked in that little church out in the country, and no street lights, in fact, very few streets. And I walked in the church on a highway, Highway 43, outside Marshall, Texas. The building was dark when I got there, and three men standing on the front porch, chairman of the deacon board, Sunday school superintendent, and the church treasurer, who used to be a wrestler, <clears throat> and I felt led to pray a great deal and cry some. They said, come in. I came in. They sat me right here on the front row with this boy sitting this morning, right on the front row. And the three of them stood up. All three of them stood up in front of me and said, now we'd like to say a few words to the deacon chairman. They would like to say a few words to you. 
He said, young man, you're not old enough to pastor this church. Well, good night. I was 21. How old can you get? And he said, we pay the bills. I own the biggest store in the neighborhood. Most of the members rent from me houses that I own and work for me on land that I own. And this man is a Sunday school superintendent. And uh, this man is a treasurer. He won't write your check if you walk in the pulpit. Uh, you, you, he won't write. In fact, he said, you're, that was on, by the way, that was on uh, uh, Wednesday night. He said, next Sunday, you won't walk in that pulpit. We'll see to it you don't. And I looked at the treasurer. He looked very qualified to see to it that I didn't. And uh, they said, you'll not do it. After they had given me the ultimatum and plenty of warning, they said, that's all. And I walked out and got in my car, and I drove around. And I had one of the sweetest nights of my life. Somehow or other, I made God five promises that night, and I share them with you just briefly. Out in an old East Texas pine thicket, in, this, in a sand hill of East Texas, in the wee hours of the morning, I said, Dear God, I'll make you a promise. I promise you that nobody will ever tell me what to preach or where to preach. And I made that vow to God, a holy vow. And I've kept it, and God knows I have. Well, when the deacons in this church came to me when I first came here and said, About your preaching, and I said, Hold it. Well, now, we, if we paint the building, you get one vote. When we borrow money, you get one vote. We have a building program, you get one vote. When I walk in that pulpit, you don't get no vote. You don't get no vote. That's a double negative. You don't get nary no vote. You don't get none nary no vote. And I made God a vow that night. The second promise I made, and I said, Dear God, as long as I live, if you will help me, I promise you that money will never be an object of my ministry. You don't believe I've kept that? Ask the Hammond Times. God pity the fellow who wrote that headline. But anyway, I'm not mad. It's just funny that you could name an article like that with a headline like that. But uh, enough of that. I promised God I'd never make mention of money. Never! In fact, our deacons have tried to... Pay me $20,000 a year for years. And I've turned it down about two years ago. Mr. Mitzka got up and he said, I make a motion to raise our pastor $20,000 a year. And Mr. Rouse said, Wait, no use in trying. Pastor won't, he'll turn it down. Just no use in talking about it. And I said, Let him talk. Let him talk. And, Mr. and they said, You mean you'll take it? I said, No, I won't take it, but I won't talk about it for a while. And, uh, the third promise that I made God that night, I promised God that night that I'd always be a friend to my friends. And I've not been what I ought to have been, but I've tried to be a friend to my friends. The fourth promise I made God that night is I promised God that I'd be loyal to principles and not to institutions. Students of Hiles Anderson College, do not give your loyalty to Hiles Anderson College. You give your loyalty to what we stand for today. And if tomorrow we don't stand for it, 
you withdraw your loyalty. Loyalty to principle. Loyalty to right. Loyalty to character. Loyalty to, to, uh, to integrity. Loyalty to conviction. Loyalty to truth. Not loyalty to institutions. And the fifth promise I made God that night was I made God a promise that I would make the decisions of my ministry on the basis of what I thought was right only. Not on what it would mean to me. Not on how many people would come to hear me. Not on what fame it would bring to me. But what was right to do. And you know I've said to you kids time and time again, the thing to always do is not how is it going to turn out. It's what is the right thing to do. And I made God that vow. But now wait a minute. The next Monday I became pastor of that church. The next Sunday I did. And Monday I walked in the little office. It was off, let's see, the building faced this way. It was off to the left in a little room over here, my office. And you walked right from my office into the auditorium. And I walked in my office as pastor for the first time of a full-time church. I mean, I had a telephone and a desk and, and, and store-bought stuff, as Russell Anderson said. And uh, I was pastor for the first time of a, of a full-time church. And uh, I sat down and I said, now, what should I be as pastor of this church? And open my Bible to Ephesians, as Brother John says, Ephesians. Ephesians. I never want to preach out of Ephesians because John always goofs up the pronunciation of the word. He's been talking to this Canadian down here is what he's been doing. But uh, I, uh, I, my, my Bible opened to Ephesians chapter 3, and I read these words, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. I don't know what that means. I didn't then, and I don't now. I can't explain it. I've checked it in the Greek. I've checked the commentaries. And I'm still as, as ignorant today of what that verse means as I was 25 years ago. I don't understand it yet. But whatever it means, I want it. That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And I get on, my, get on my knees and I said, Lord, what does that mean? And I said last night again, what does it mean? I don't know what it means. I'm not sure what the fullness of God really is. But I'm not sure what it means to be filled with all the fullness of God. But that verse began to burn in my soul. And I think it means a little bit to be like Jesus. I think it means a little bit to be filled with God's love and God's goodness. I think it means a little bit to sell out for God and give God everything. I'm not sure all it means, and I still don't know all it means. But I, I said, Lord, whatever it means, that's what I want. And so I, I got the Scofield Bible. Dr. Towns, I don't use the Scofield Bible to preach in anymore because the, the print's too small and I can't see it to read. And you'll be old someday and lose your hair and, and uh, so forth. Like yesterday, for example. But uh, I, uh, I, uh, I had a Scofield Bible and opened the Bible to the concordance and looked up the word filled and filled and full. Because I figured, I figured that if he's supposed to be filled with the fullness of God, I figured that there must be something the Lord would tell you to fill up. And so I turned to the, word, the concordance and looked up the word filled and I, and I noticed it says Ephesians, pardon me, Ephesians 5.18. And I turned to Ephesians 5.18 and, uh, and it said, be ye filled with... But it went back further than that. It said, Be ye not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit of God. And I'll never forget, I looked out to the door to my little pulpit, 
and uh, where I where I was preached the day before, and where I was going to preach now every Sunday, and I did for three years and three months. I looked at that little pulpit, and Brother Fisk, I said, wouldn't it be an awful thing if next Sunday I walked out of that pulpit inebriated? Inebriated, that's a Greek word that means drunk. And uh, wouldn't it be an awful thing if I walked out drunk? Wouldn't it be an awful thing if I walked out and, and the deacon chairman stood up and said, let me smell your breath, and I breathed on him, and he said, you've been drinking. And I said, well, just a little bit, just a little few refreshments, a little roast in their punch before the service is all. And, uh, and he said, but you're not walking this pulpit drunk. And all of a sudden, I noticed that that scripture says, be you not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be you filled with the Spirit of God. And it burned in me that it would be just as sinful for me to walk in the pulpit drunk as it would to walk in the pulpit not filled with the Holy Spirit. And I walked out in my little auditorium. And the brother, I got on my knees behind the pulpit. And I said, oh, thank God for a pulpit. Thank God for a place to preach. It's mine. And I said, dear God, let me never walk in that pulpit unless I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. And I started something then that I've kept up every week of my life since then. Every week of my life I walk in this auditorium and I kneel behind this pulpit and I say, Oh my God, they're my people and they need help and they need strength and they need comfort and they need cheering and they need courage and they need encouragement. Oh my God, fill me with the Spirit of God. May I be full of all the fullness of God when I walk the pulpit on the Lord's day. Oh, to be filled with the Spirit of God. And as a kid preacher, I said, dear God, that's what I want. And I began to search what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I sought, and I sought, and I sought. And that's what I want for you. Oh, my young people over here, my joy and my crown. My kids that I pastored for 13, over 13 years, many of you, I want you to be filled with the fullness of God. That's why I preach to you. That's why I say be clean. That's why I say be pure. That's why I say give all to God. That's why I say hold back nothing. Be filled with all the fullness of God. Don't be half in, half out. Don't be half on, half off. Don't be half hot, half cold. Be filled with the fullness of God. And give God everything that you have. Oh, as a kid preacher, I said, dear God, that's what I have to have. And I thought this morning, I thought this morning, I ought not to receive this plaque. I'm just a country preacher. And if I honestly, and I mean this, if there is aught that would make me merit this plaque this morning, it would be because of the blessed Holy Spirit of God. I've tried to walk with him, and every day of my life I talk with him, and I talk to him like I talk to Brother Vineyard. I say, good morning, Holy Spirit, when I wake up in the morning. And I say, Holy Spirit, what should I wear today? <laughs> I mentioned that the other day in a sermon here. I asked the Holy Spirit what I'd wear, and I walked in the office the next morning, and Brother Fierce looked at me and said, you didn't ask me about that, did you? And, uh, and I pay a fellow. I pay guys to insult me. Not much, but I pay them. But I asked him what I ought to wear, and I asked him which way I ought to drive to church. And every day of my life, I talk to him like I talk to you. I mean, he's a person. And if there, if there be any one thing, why, Jack Hiles ought to have a church like this with a great people like you, it's because of the dear presence and power of the Holy Spirit. 
Oh, I love to tell the story, and I think I know you've heard me tell it, about the little fellow up down in Waco, Texas, who heard Dr. John Rice and Dr. J. Harold Smith and Dr. Lee Robertson. And uh, he heard me, and I was about 25, and he walked up one day and he said, I heard Dr. J. Harold Smith and Dr. Lee Robertson and Dr. John Rice, and he said, you did more for me than any of them. Well, I said, why? I said, what did you like best about me? And he said, I heard Dr. Rice, and I said, I never could be that smart. And I heard Dr. Robertson, I said, I never could be that handsome. And I heard Dr. Smith, and I said, I never could be that dynamic. But he said, when I heard you, Brother Hiles, I said, if he can do it, anybody ought to be able to do it. (laughs) Anybody can do it. Young men, anybody can do it. Young preacher, anybody can do it. Young uh, evangelist, anybody can do it. Young pastor, anybody can do it. If you'll say, oh my God, fill me with all the fullness of God. Not a part, not half, not a little bit, all of it, all of it. And fill me with the dear Holy Spirit of God. And I recall, I as a kid preacher, just a country preacher, never dreamed I'd have over 150 or 200 in Sunday school. I recall the day we had 260 in Sunday school, Dr. Towns. I told my Sunday school superintendent, I said, get your camera and bring it up here. I want to have my picture taken beside the Sunday school board. He said, why? I said, because I know I'll never have that many again in my ministry, and I want to prove to everybody I had it, 260 in Sunday school. And he came up and took my picture with 260, and I put it in my scrapbook. I still got it, and I kept it. Why? Because I want to prove to everybody that one day I had 262 in Sunday school. Well, I got more than that now down in Goldblatt's. Trying to shoplift. <laughs> you know how our church makes it financially? Our bus kids are shoplifting at Goldblatt's. We have rummage sales on Monday. But I mean, I, that's all I thought I ever have. I'm simply saying, that's the kind of preacher that God got when he got me. But thanks be to God, he doesn't have to have a lot of talent or have to have a lot of of prestige or dynamics or or brilliance. God wants somebody who will say, fill me with all the fullness of God. That's what God wants. I I kept on, I got my Scofield Bible and looked at concordance and noticed the word fill. Over Philippians chapter 1, verse 11, it says, Fill with the fruit of righteousness. In Acts 9, 17, it said, Full of good works. And I said as a kid preacher, Dear God, I want to be full of good works. And I never forget what I did. I got my billfold out, and I had about a dollar or two in it. I got more than that this morning. <coughs> right after the offering every Sunday, I usually am a little flushed. And... Uh, I, I got what little money I had, and I put it out on my desk, and I said, Dear God, I don't have much to give. That's all I have. And I only make 20 a week, and and, 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 and they say they're not going to pay me. And by the way, it was eight weeks before they ever paid me anything, and my salary was only 20 a week. And I said, Lord, I can't do a lot on that. But the dear Lord said, You can give what you have. And I got in my little car that day. And I drove down to the lady's house that was 88 years of age. And I gave her every dime I had. She needed it. And I said, dear God, fill me with good works. Fill me with good works. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And fill me with the fruit of righteousness. Fill
Fill me, not just a part, not a little bit, all of me. Fill me with good works. Oh, my dear beloved brothers in Christ and my beloved sisters and my dear people, ask God this morning to fill you with good works and the fruit of righteousness. You know, I'm, I'm rejoicing a little lately. I think some of our folks are getting the idea of what it means to be unselfish and to give and to sacrifice. I think of one of our, little bu- our bus kids back here. Boy, came to our church on a bus. One of our poor bus kids got him a summertime job making a few dollars here and there, then worked his way, his own way through Hammond Baptist High School and graduated last year. And he came to my boy David, and he said, Dave, tell your dad I want to pay another bus kid's tuition in Hammond Baptist High School this year. He's a bus kid. He's paying his own way in Howes Anderson College. And he's saying somebody else's way to the Hammond Baptist High School. Ladies and gentlemen, we only have one life to live. We only pass this way one time. I was thinking yesterday as I flew back from Denver. I'm almost 46. I can recall when I was a kid. I used to say, let's see, I'm, I'm 11 now, and this is 1937. I've got 63 more years till 2000. And if I live to 2000, I'll live to be 70 Four years of age. And then I, I, I can recall when I got up around 30 and I thought 35 will be half over. That was a few days ago. And now I'm almost 46. It's over half over, I think. And if they keep getting as fast as they have been, days used to have a thousand, week, years used to have a thousand days in them, and now they have about 150 days. We don't have long here. No, we don't have long. Oh, while passing through this world of woe, and others your life shall see. Be faithful, be pure without and in. Let others see Jesus in me. Share with others. Give to others. Help others. Be filled. What difference does it matter how much money you have or how much prestige you have or how much pomp you have or how much honor you have or how much fame you have? Live for other people. Bathe yourselves in the needs of others. And I said, dear God, I don't have much, but I want to be filled with good works. I want to be filled with thinking of other people. And I looked at my concordance. And I noticed it said in Romans fifteen fourteen to be filled with all knowledge. That's the only three fills I looked at. Filled with all knowledge. And I went to the altar of my church. I got on my knees at the altar of my little auditorium. And I said, dear God, I'm going to fill myself with this book. I'm going to fill myself with this book. You know, I studied eight hours a day. As a kid preacher, eight hours a day I studied. And I, I have 80 outlines right now in my files that I outlined in my study when I was 22 and 23 years of age. Eighty that I've never yet had time to use. You know why? Because I said, dear God, I'm going to fill myself with this word. And I mean this. I fell in love with the Bible. Oh, this blessed book. Filled yourself with it. What a comfort it's been. In hours of loneliness, it's been my companion. In hours of doubt, it's been my assurance. 
In hours of ignorance, it's been my truth. In hours of battle, it's been my sword. In hours of sin, it's been my tender. Sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. Let me more of their beauty see, wonderful words of life. Words of life and beauty, teach me faith and duty. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. And this morning, if there be any reason why that Dr. Jack, Brother Jack Hiles, has received on your behalf the plaque of the largest Sunday school, it's because of years ago, I said, dear God, I want to be filled with all the fullness of God. And I've tried to be filled with the Spirit, and I've tried to be filled with the fruits of righteousness, and I've tried to fill my life with this blessed Word. That's what I want for you. You know that's true. I've never tried to get a big crowd at the expense of good, uh, of good Christians. I've never tried to get a big crowd of people by compromise. The message that's rung forth from this pulpit for 13 years and over has been a message of separation and complete surrender and total commitment and total involvement and complete giving everything to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what I want for you. That's what I want for you. I want you to have be filled with all the fullness of God. I don't know what it means to this day. I wish I did. I wish some theologian sometime would explain to me all that means. Be filled with the fullness of God. Young people, boys on the front, teenagers, college students, men, women, First Baptist Church people, if your pastor has one prayer for you, it's that you might be filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with good works, and filled with the knowledge of this book. Or as the Apostle Paul said concerning his people in Ephesus, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Our country is about to go to hell. These little girls and boys on the front, do you know they won't know anything about a church like this unless a miracle takes place in our country? That little uh, Dr. Towns, I was on the airplane the other day, and I'll never forget the words of a little mother, 21 years of age. She's sitting there with a little baby, beautiful little baby, and the baby was, I, I, I have a grandbaby about that age, and I said, uh, you have a pretty little baby there. I've got a grandbaby about that age. And she said, oh, are you old enough to have a grandbaby? <laughs> and I said, I like you very, very much. And uh, <clears throat> she said, I said, uh, where are you from? You look like your, your accent. Where are you from? And she said, Cuba. And I said, how long were you in Cuba? And she said, until Castro took over. And then she said, I said, I asked her, uh, I said, young lady, did you, were you there under Castro? She said, my dad was one of Castro's cabinet members. Castro has eaten in my home. He's held me on his knee. He's played ball in our yard with me. And I said, how did you get out of Cuba? She said, my mother, who 
hated Castro, smuggled my seven-year-old sister and me when I was nine out of, I think I think he said nine, out of Cuba. She said we were smuggled, just the two of us, and went to Miami. And I said, how was it when Castro took over? She said, you're a reverend, aren't you? And I said, I'm a preacher. She said, reverend, you'll never know how it feels unless you've been through it. To hear them lead your pastor down in front of your house toward the firing squad. And to hear them say, Rick! Aim! And you know that the next word is going to be the word that will command them to pull the triggers that will kill your pastor. And she said, I heard them do it, and I heard the shots, and I heard the screams of my pastor. And I said, the lady, how is it in America now? And tears began to stream down her cheeks, and she said, just like it was in Cuba, right before Castro took over. We're about gone, folks, unless we have a generation of Christians who are filled with all the fullness of God. Let us pray. Oh, God in heaven, save our nation for our kids. Help our people to give everything. Help us to hold back nothing. They were not dissatisfied to be half-filled, but filled with all the fullness of God. They will be filled with the Spirit, filled with the fruit of righteousness and good works, and filled with the knowledge of the blessed Word of God. Our heads are bowed in prayer, every eye is closed in the house but mine. Are you filled? Are you filled? Best way in the world to keep from getting bad literature is to be filled with the Word of God. Best way in the world to be emptied of a haughty spirit is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Best way in the world to be emptied of bad deeds is to be full of good deeds, filled with all the fullness of God. I'm talking to somebody this morning who's just a Sunday morning Christian. I'm talking to someone this morning who, to whom Christianity is a nice little seasoning occasionally. It's a spice to be on, on, on life, but it's not life. It's a little seasoning for life, but it isn't all of life. Don't you feel a hunger to be filled with all the fullness of God? I wonder what our heads are bowed. Who would say this morning, Pastor... I'm not full. I'm not full of his word. I'm not full of good deeds, righteous, fruit of righteousness. I'm not full of the Spirit. I'm not filled with all the fullness of God, but I want to be. I want to be. Pray for me and pray with me. Would you lift your hand quietly, please, all over the building? All over the building. Oh, Holy Spirit. Spirit of God, breathe on our people. May this thing we preach be real, and may it be worth everything we have and all we are. 
May these dear ones be filled with all the fullness of God. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. To some of you who are saved, that means that you ought to start tithing. To others, it means you ought to live in the Word of God. To others, it means you ought to start living the other's life, the unselfish life. To others, it means you ought to get baptized. That's the way you start, maybe. To some, it means you ought to join a church near where you live and get busy for God. I wonder this morning, how many of you would say, Brother Hiles, I am saved. And I know I'm saved. No doubt in my mind about it. I'm saved and I know it. But I've not yet been baptized since I got saved. Would you be honest enough to raise your hand, please, while no one is looking? Would you be honest enough to raise your hand all over the building? You know that you're saved, but you've not yet been baptized since you got saved. Would you lift your hand, please? Thank you. Are there others? Thank you. Are there others? Thank you. Yes, there are others. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. All right, this morning. When we give the invitation, you slip out down the aisle and say, Brother Hiles, I want to get baptized. I want to be obedient to Christ. He want, if he wants me to, to do it, I'll do it. Whatever he wants, that's what I want to do. And you come this morning when we sing down to the front. I wonder how many would say, Brother Hiles, I'm a Christian, and I know I am. But I don't, I don't even belong to a church near here, though I live near here. Would you lift your hand, please? Be honest about it. Would you be honest about it? You know you're saved. I'm not going to embarrass you. No one's looking but me. Would you raise your hand all over the house? All over the house? All right. God bless you. Now, this morning, you come down the aisle and say, Brother Hiles, I want a church like this. I want a church that believes that everything ought to be given to God. I want a place to rear my family that will teach them righteousness and honor and integrity and right. And I'm going to join the church by transfer. We'll, we'll write and get the membership for you. You don't have to take everything but coming, and we'll be glad to write and get your transfer for you. You come. But wait a minute. How many will say on the lower floor, Brother Hiles, I don't even know that I'm saved. I don't even know that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. But I wish I did. I want to be a Christian. God knows I do. I want to go to heaven. But I don't know that I'm going. I don't know, but I want to know on the lower floor. Lift your hand and say with the uplifted hand, pray for me. Way up high, would you lift it, please? God bless you, fella. God bless you. Who else on the lower floor? Pray for me. God bless you, fella. Yes, God bless you. Who else on the lower floor? Pray for me. I want to know that I'm saved, but I don't know it now. Pray for me. Would you lift your hand, please? On the lower floor, who else? God bless you, I see you. Yes, and God bless you. Who else on the lower floor? You say, include me in the prayer. I want to be saved and know it. Pray for me. Would you raise your hand, please? God bless you, little lady. We're back in the back. God loves you, and I do too. God loves you. Who else on the lower floor? Yes, God bless you, little fellow. Who else would say, include me in the prayer? I want to know that I'm saved. The balcony on my left. The east balcony. You would say, pray for me that I might be saved. Lift your hand, would you please? Way up high. The east balcony. May I see your hand? The center balcony. In the center, who would say, include me in the prayer that I might know that I'm saved. God bless you. Are there others? Are there others? The balcony on my right. Say, pray for me. I want to know that I'm saved. Would you raise your hand, please? I'll pray for you. Back to the lower floor just a moment, and then we, then we pray.
who else would say include me in the prayer, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Our Heavenly Father, in a wonderful way, speak to our hearts this morning. Don't let anyone leave without Christ. Don't let a one go and not knowing he's saved. Bless these dear ones whose hands have been raised. Now heads are bowed. In a moment we're going to stand and the choir is going to sing All to Jesus I Surrender. <clears throat> and as the choir sings it, slip out from your seat and down to the front and let me tell you how you can be saved. Someone here can take a Bible and show you how you can go to heaven when you die. So on the first stanza of the first invitation song, leave your seat and come towards the aisle and down the aisle to the front and let me know that you're receiving Christ. Oh, God, make it so today. Amen. Shall we stand, please? The choir will sing, and as the choir sings, if you need to join the church by transfer, or come for baptism, or come receiving Jesus as your Savior, you leave your seat, come toward the aisle, down to the front, no one leaves, but would you come now while we sing? Come on. Thank you for listening, and if you like this, please subscribe and consider liking my Facebook page and joining my group Jesus Answers Prayer.